Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Calling Tau City. Turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello, and welcome to show 674. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Are we getting ready for the metaverse then? Oh, what? Well, I'm not going to go in. I'm not rabbling. I'm not rabbling at all. We're going straight into the main, main fiction, just here, which is Smoke Bomb by Matt Thompson. This story was first published in the fantastic Interzone in October 2020. Matt Thompson is a London-based experimental musician and writer of strange fictions. His work has been published in Interzone, Asimov's Pseudopod, the best of British sci-fi anthology series, and many more worthy venues. And you can find them at matt-thompson.com. This story is narrated by T.F. Ahmed. T.F. Ahmed is a writer and narrator from Chicago. His fiction has been published in Dark Futures, Soiled Magazine and Tales to Terrify. His non-fiction has been published in the Chicago Monitor and Archizer.com. He's narrated stories for Tales to Terrify and Starships Over and podcast his own fiction on the Night Bulletin podcast, which you can find on your favourite podcast app. You can find him listening to podcasts on long walks, watching TV shows that take place on spaceships and slowly building his personal library. He can be hired for voiceover work at fiverr.com, TF Ahmed, and you can email him, thenightbulletin at gmail.com. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present Smoke Bomb by Matt Thompson. 
She was older than the usual type you get in the fix, maybe 80 or so, with early 90s-style glass-tinted hair braids and a silicone-toned torso that bulged discreetly beneath her corset. She'd settled into one of the private booths furthest from the entrance. It wasn't so uncommon. Sometimes you'd see ones like her coming in on their own, dead eyes lighting up at the sight of the mixing girls displaying their enhanced anatomies, money suddenly no object to gratifying their desires. She'd ask specifically for Zhang Mi. We wouldn't often get requests for the mixologists by name. I guess she must have sent someone ahead to sample our wares. Bioshot hardly liked us to advertise them in advance, as New Korea's flagship testing ground, Nampo is in a city with much in the way of licensing controls, but what's here isn't worth arguing with. Being Jung Mi's official custodian, it was my task to accompany her to the booth. As I steered her along the hushed, black-velveted hallway, we passed Winter, the club's manager. He gave me a wink so subtle I wasn't even sure he'd done it, and melted into the shadows. I didn't know if he was warning us or encouraging us. The booth was decorated in the retro-European style, distressed bricks dotted with flickering hollow screens and imitation wine racks. The customer had already removed her darkened shield. Her eyes bored into Jung Mi like they were diamond-tipped, like she'd seen something she never knew she'd always wanted. That wasn't so unusual either. We bowed in unison, shallow enough to be polite, deep enough to let her know she was subject to the club's rules and not her own. She looked the type who might not have understood that. Mood tones overlapped from concealed speakers. Through the reinforced glass window, a shoal of fish swam past, flitting through the drowned cars lighting the watery graveyard of Kantong Street. Bioshot had picked their location wisely. The permit reps rarely ventured out beneath the bay. It allowed for a more relaxed approach to the presentation of certain services and specific augmentations. Welcome, madam, I said, letting a practiced smoothness enter my voice. My name is Riku Oi. Jung Mi is grateful for your patronage tonight. Madam, Jung Mi said, her voice set at just the right level of submissiveness. She wore her hair in the short, asymmetric cut currently in vogue. The woman's gaze flicked to her chest area, beneath a cut-off Bioshot-branded tailcoat that exposed everything from the neck down to the waist. We are delighted to welcome you to our establishment tonight. If you have any specific requests, please convey them to our staff. The woman's voice was a gravel-scraped blade. Are they safe? These smoke bombs? Most assuredly, madam, I smiled and placed my hand onto Jung Mi's flank. I caught a faint scent exuding from her, a familiar blend of honeyed elegance and sourness. She expanded her diaphragm in concord with my touch. The woman drew in her breath, slowly exhaling as Jung Mi relaxed her muscles. Those who pass up the chance of a smoke bomb tend to regret their choice, I believe. I don't doubt it. She regained control of herself almost immediately. The remodeler had gone overkill on her crow's feet, the skin around her eyes like that of a recovering burn victim. She spoke again, softer. Very well then. Please mix. I bowed again, retreating to the rear of the booth so as not to distract from the performance. Jung Mi bowed too. This time, she held the pose for a few seconds. When she straightened back up, her eyes were glassy. Later, her hypnotic trance would ease in stages, like a reptile shedding layers of dead skin. For now, I could relax and admire the show. Not for the first time, I regarded with near awe the feat of bioengineering that had made her what she was. Her left lung, capped off from her airways, 
bubbled and swelled. Through her transparent, plasticized chest cavity, between the slats of her reduced ribcage, liquids churned green. The gauzy covering membrane pulsed, veins spreading out across its smooth surface. One slender arm lay uncovered. Where her left breast had been excised, ridges of pale scar tissue glowed silver in the fluoroscopic light. She recited her set script in a near monotone, her tongue and teeth, Bioshot's property. Madam, the smoke bomb is the most extraordinary cocktail known to mankind. My digestive and respiratory systems have been recalibrated to combine pre-designed elements into a smorgasbord of delectability. All, of course. And she allowed the faintest imitation of a smile to cross her lips. Entirely organic. As her audience of one watched on in silence, she began the preparations in earnest, flexing her solar plexus to excite the bile ducts, swallowing saliva down, deep-breathing herself into a state of mild hyperventilation. I produced a glass from my hip pocket and affixed it to her gullet tube, muttering a quiet exclamation to distract from the way she coughed the attachment out of her throat. Once it was connected, she let nature take its course. The liquid thickened, sweetening with the sugar-saturated mucus pumping from her duodenum. The woman was leaning forward now, aching hunger written across her face. Jung Mi's lungs spasmed. Within seconds, the fluid began its upward journey. Jung Mi used a furtive gag reflex to help it on its way. As the drink frothed into the glass, the woman half rose to her feet, an unconscious licking of her hornet-stung lips betraying her disgusted fascination. When Jung Mi had finished, I detached the tubes in one smooth motion and let her swallow the excess down. Bowing, I presented the glass to its recipient. Of course, she hesitated. Once it gets to this stage, they always do. Madam, Jung Mi said, please accept my gift to you. Gift. It was almost funny, thinking about how much the fix charged for its services. The woman lowered her lips to the rim. Closing her eyes, she tipped her head back and let a mouthful of the warm liquid slide over her tongue. I reached out, in case she dropped the glass in surprise at how good it tasted. But there was no need. She swilled it around for a few seconds before swallowing, then looked at Jung Mi with a glazed expression. It's... She let the word hang. I said nothing. She took another mouthful, not taking her eyes off Jung Mi for a moment. The hull lights of a skiff flashed turquoise through the window. The mood tones picked up in subliminal accord with our breathing. I never... never thought... She puckered her mouth and shook her head. Jung Mi, I thank you, from the bottom of my heart. I thought that a flicker of grief passed over her face for an instant. Now please leave me. Both of you. We bowed, long and low. By the time we were done, she turned her attention to her palm flex, her lips moving in soundless conversation. I ushered Jung Mi out. As I adjusted the portier curtain for privacy, the mood tones shifted to a form I'd never heard before, a shimmering thrum that rattled my ear bones and swirled around my head until it died down to a whisper. Jobs aren't so easy to come by in Nampo. Before I signed with Bioshot, I was a generative body double, the loops broadcast on Dark Hub only. That was after a two-month stint selling neuroactives along the Old Town retail arcades, ducking and diving from both the city's narco-eliminators and the rival merchants that plied their trade there. Smoke bombs were light relief in comparison. As Jung Mi's legal custodian, it was my responsibility to make sure she adhered to the strict diet she'd agreed to upon validating her contract. She was owned, body, mind, and soul. Once, 
in a vulnerable moment, she told me she'd grown up in the mock Martian habitats out on the Bainsong archipelago. Anything, for her, seemed to be preferable to returning. Her enhancements were undoubtedly a way of ensuring that would be impossible. And at least she wouldn't be charged more than 50% of future earnings on them once her term of contract was up. That night, she returned to the cramped APAT we shared on Solar Boulevard before me, citing exhaustion. When the last of our clientele had been escorted to the elevator to take them back up above the waterline, I went to tidy the booth. Our customer had left a card, an old-style crystal wafer inscribed with luminous lettering. Yao Dizian was all it said on the front. It was all that was needed. As I wiped the table down, I cast my mind back ten years. Yao Dizian. Both the male and female halves who shared that name had been the most notorious among the crop of litho artists that Nampo threw up as regularly as the tide. Sharers of most of their DNA, they were rumored to have begun the process of genetically entwining themselves into a composite entity. Their vast blow-ups of chromosomally abnormal anatomies, sourced from the bioengineered remnants of humanity that haunted the city's less salubrious districts, sold for billions. And then the male half no one knew their former names or identities, had perished in mysterious circumstances. It had been the talk of the galleries for a year or so. His body, or parts of it, had washed up in the bay for months afterwards, his flesh flayed almost to the bone, his cell nuclei twisted into forms the strand rats who eagerly purchased the remains had never imagined could exist. Their work had vanished into the vaults of international collectors, art traders who negotiated their value as security for future neural augmentations. The surviving half of the unit had melted into the past as completely as if she had never existed. I hadn't thought of her in years. As I was leaving, Winter manifested at my elbow, his slicked-down hair glittering in the argon ceiling lights. That the first time you've met Yel Dizian? His tongue flicked in and out through wetted lips. Saw her a couple of years back, at the Jadu. We had four, five boys on call. Hosts, you know. All she wanted to do was sample the drinks. Sent them all away. Bet they were disappointed. Winter made a dismissive gesture. She made it worth their while. Why fake it when you don't have to try? I thought to tell him Jung Mi didn't have that option, but bit my tongue and said goodnight. The air outside tasted like dirty electricity. The fix located on the now-submerged first floor of what had once been a towering office complex, was accessible only by skiff taxi. My ride was already waiting. We thrummed across the water in near silence. By the time I docked at Jell Quay, Yell Dizian's memory, her presence inside me, had only intensified. The card hadn't been left by accident. On the Magna Rail home, I examined it again. On the back, Indented in black on blacker plastic was an address. Mango Tower, 100. No apartment designation, just the floor number. Jung Mi was asleep when I got back to the APAT. This wasn't the first time someone had requested additional services from her. Other custodians, I knew, saw their charges as meal tickets, accessories they could hawk out as they wished. I never considered treating Jung Mi in that way. I was responsible for her conduct at the fix, nothing more but some intuition told me Yel Dizian wasn't after the usual thing. What it might be that she did want worried at the edge of my thoughts, tenacious and relentless. I showered and slid in beside Jung Mi. When I kissed her, I tasted the echo of the smoke bomb still on her lips. Faint lightning pulsed along my spine. My fingertips tingled. 
I touched my tongue to hers, letting her sleep drool slide down my chin, savoring the sweetness within her. With each kiss, the flavor diminished. Still, I nibbled at her, unwilling to admit to myself that I drained the last drops of sustenance. She stirred in her slumber, moaning inaudible words in a language I'd never heard from her before. Her robe fell away, revealing the transparent skin of her torso, the lacerations across her chest. I fell asleep with my hand on her belly, her single lung forcing air in and out with laborious persistence, the liquid rippling through her like ocean swells. I didn't mention the card to her. The next day we slept in late, only emerging into the grainy daylight once the delivery carts had trundled back to their depots and the sun was high overhead. We spent the afternoon sipping filter tea in a series of chai houses along the Pyeongju drag. Jung Mi barely spoke, lost in some interflex world on her palm line, blinking her eyes in strange, rhythmic patterns. When evening fell, we took a skiff out to the fix together. Winter was the only person there. Quiet night, he said. End of the weekend, Sen. Cheaper to pay the rest of them the retainer. And us? You have a booking. Prepaid. He hissed laughter through his teeth. He wouldn't say any more when I pressed him for details. But I knew. One or two of the mixologists slunk in after an hour or so, but the club had the feel of an abandoned gold rush town, a melancholy emptiness seeping into every air-swept corner. Jung Mi lay down in the dressing room and closed her eyes, her tailcoat wrapped tight around her sleeping form. I sat beside her, just waiting. Yeldizyan arrived after midnight. From the shadows, I watched her unclip her cloak and hand it to Winter without a word. He ushered her to the same booth as before, glancing over his shoulder as she disappeared within, as if he knew I'd be watching. When I touched my hand to Jung Mi's cheek, she awoke in an instant, rolling out of the hammock and onto her feet in a single, flowing movement. I'd supervised her as she ingested the smoke bomb ingredients upon arrival. Now they swilled in her stomach in lurid greens and yellows, not yet coalescing into their final blended form. Her stance was filled with challenge, her words deliberate. Same one? I nodded. She's a special customer? You could say that. I adjusted my tuxedo. Very wealthy. Very demanding, I guess. The rich ones usually are. Jung Mi gave me a quizzical look. They don't usually come two nights in a row, Riku. Am I so special? Oh, you are, I said to myself. And Yel Dizian knows it. Instead, I said, keep your face blank. No expression. They like it like that. Jung Mi adjusted her features into a mask of impenetrability, and I steered her to the booth with a quiet flutter of bird's wings in my heart. Yel Dizian was clad in a gray corset tonight, hugging her figure like a suit of armor. Good evening again, madam, I said. It came out cooler than I would have liked. I trust you enjoyed Jung Mi's offering last night. You don't need to bother with the formality, Riku Oi. A prickliness was in her tone that hadn't been there the last time. I didn't rise to the bait. Jung Mi gave me a sharp look before she remembered she was in character and recast her face into an attitude of demure obedience. Jung Mi is very happy to see you again, I said, persisting with the script. Jung Mi bowed. Yel Dizian's eyes didn't leave her torso for a moment, roving up and down her exposed innards like she still couldn't believe what she was seeing. Would you care for an aperitif before the... Just mix it, she grated. Of course, madam, I said. Please observe Jung Mi's preparations. As Jung Mi cycled through her series of set protocols, without commentary this time, 
I kept my eyes on Yel Dizian. She sat preternaturally still, her withered fingers gripping the table until they turned red. When Jung Mi was done, I produced the glass from my hip pocket and held it in place. The drink had a different fragrance from before, the sourness set apart from the sugary sweetness that would normally have unified the elements, but I could hardly change anything now. I let the liquid froth for a few seconds. Even the color seemed not quite right, the green too intense, the yellow not as integrated as it should have been. Madam? I set the glass before her. She regarded it for a full minute before lifting it to her lips. In all that time, Jung Mi's expression didn't change from an impassive, receptive emptiness. This time, Yel Dizian drained the glass in a single go, foam bubbling around her mouth and pooling where it dripped onto the table. She set it down without speaking, her smoothed-out eyes dark and hooded. I waited. When they found the first body parts, she murmured, they had been drained of nutrients. What sea beast does that, Riku Oi? None along this coast. I swallowed. Every instinct told me to leave with Jung Mi and not take her money ever again. But I knew Jung Mi wouldn't forgive me if I took it upon myself to make that decision on her behalf. In the final reckoning, it was her life, her body. Not mine, not Yeldizyan's, not even Bioshots. Go now, Yeldizyan said when I didn't respond. Her eyes glared from within the wreck of her face. Get out, and take her with you. She jabbed her finger towards Jung Mi. We left with as much delicacy as we could muster and retired to the dressing room. I heard the elevator whoosh. While Jung Mi was changing out of her uniform, Winter appeared. He beckoned me into the passageway. Another satisfied customer. He displayed the tip. 20000 Whatever you did, he said, keep doing it. She's already booked the same time tomorrow. Don't bother coming in till then. She wants something more, I said. I can feel it. Winter cocked his head and thought. Heard, he said at last. They found the other half of her stripped out when he washed up in the bay. So they say. Hmm, he nodded, still not smiling. Heard too. He might have gone into the water for a reason. Whose reason? He inclined his head toward the elevator. Purity, you know? Jeans, helixes. He wafted his hand, shrugging. Maybe she's looking for a new half. Make her whole again, Sen. He wandered away to his private room. A rustle of fabric from the doorway told me Jung Mi had been listening in to our exchange. I went to clean the booth instead of challenging her. Another card was waiting for me there. This one was wafer thin, pale, fragile quartz, her name picked out in darker amethyst. When I picked it up, the lettering felt keen-edged, as if it might tear my skin open were I to grip it too hard. That night, back at our APAT, I tried to summon some enthusiasm for tasting the dregs of Jung Mi's servings. The sourness clogged my tongue when I kissed her, her stiff, unyielding posture almost a relief. She slept before me, curled up into a defensive ball, her digestive tract bubbling like the subaqueous currents that swirled around the fix. We arrived the next night after most of the staff had already left. As our skiff chugged back to the quays without us, I saw another approaching gliding towards us between the submerged blocks of Kentong Street. We hurried inside and changed as quickly as we could. A short time later, Yel Dizian emerged from the elevator. This time, she kept her cloak on. Her cards sat stiff inside my purse, their edges digging into the fabric like knives. On the threshold of the booth, Jung Mi hesitated. 
I sensed Winter lurking further along the passage, his breathing hoarse and raspy, however hard he tried to stay silent. This will be the last night, I whispered. After this, I'll tell the club not to take her money. Jungmi stared at me, her gaze impenetrable. I decide that, she said. Swallowing, I nodded, and gestured for her to enter. Yel Dizyan had laid out a series of calling cards along the tabletop, their surfaces twinkling in the watery blue light bleeding through the window. Her hair braids were tied back tonight, her skin free of any cosmetics. The mood tones throbbed, almost beyond the range of hearing. My transport is waiting upstairs, she said before I had a chance to speak. The Mango Tower is thirty minutes right away. I would like both of you to accompany me there. My palm flex bleeped into my ear. I glanced down. 500,000 flashed on the display. Is that... I wasn't sure how to express the form of the transaction. Yaldizyan smiled, her cheeks stretching into a rictus. We can be changed in a few minutes, I said. No. Come as you are. She swept the cards into her purse and rose, removing her cloak and draping it over Jungmi with tender concern. The hint of a smirk glittered in Winter's eyes as we passed him on the way out. Yaldizyan impervious behind her shield, ignored him as if he'd never existed. The skiff sped into motion as soon as we were settled in, flowing onward through the skyscraper canyons in smooth silence. Jungmi stayed in the rear, her figure, outlined against the night sky, sat as still as stone. None of us said a word until the boat had eased into the docking bay beneath the vast edifice of the Mango. Constructed on an artificial islet just beyond the limits of the city's zoning regulations, the tower had been designed as a supervision-free playground for Nampo's wealthy. Three decades on, and it was a hollowed-out, barely-populated shell. Only moribund casinos and unlicensed neuroparlors left squatting on the lower floors. Welcome to paradise, yelled Dizian said, and led us to the elevators. Jungmi padded along midway between us, as if the bonds that joined her and I together was stretching at last to breaking point. The entire vista of the bay opened out as we ascended the external track. Somehow I couldn't find it within me to appreciate the spectacle. Yaldizyan's apat took up the entirety of the 100th floor, a series of geometric chambers lined with replicas of the litho prints she'd sold during her moment of fame. Pierced and tattooed genitalia, bulbous cancers protruding from bellies and cheeks, glistening innards lined with razor-sharp shards of glowing crystal. The far wall of the final room she showed us was taken up by a broad picture window, its balcony looking out over the empty, jutting buildings of the bay. Lights glimmered on the roofs of the abandoned apartment blocks surrounding the mango. From our airy view, it felt like I was looking upwards into the cosmos. Please. She indicated I should sit. I sank into an antique divan. She placed a polished crystal decanter onto a low table before me and turned to Jungmi. Jungmi? I should like you to prepare my smoke bomb now. Yes, madam. Jungmi began her usual routine, deep breathing, exciting the production of bile, flexing her gullet. This time she stayed alert, her hypnotic trance forgotten. Yel Dizyan settled onto the other end of the divan. So, Riku Oe, she said. We have a few minutes to talk. I imagine you've researched who I am. Enough. She loosened her braids shaking them out like a medusa head of glass snakes. Do you think I wish to take Jungmi away from you? I am her legal guardian, I replied, trying to stop my voice from shaking. Bioshot are unable to take on that responsibility. 
Therefore, any proposals concerning her future are to be mediated through myself. I am aware of the administrative arrangements concerning the enhanced among us. A clipped professionalism had entered her voice. Jung Mi hyperventilated, her throat catching on each intake of breath. I wanted to hold her in my arms and never let her go. Organizations such as your employers have little desire to comply with statutory directives, Yal Dizian continued. So much easier to hire a custodian. But that can breed its own problems, correct? I said nothing. Sighing, she added, such as falling in love. Jung Mi paused in her exertions. The cocktail bubbled in her lung, dirty emerald and nova yellow. We are here in a professional capacity, I said, not a personal one. Outside of our work, we live our lives in private. But that look in your eyes is for everyone to see. Jung Mi resumed her mixing, grimacing with the effort. Is it her you're in love with? Or what's inside her? A tremor ran through me. Not all of us discard the parts that seem worthless. Through the window, a trawler inched along the horizon in miniature, gaudy rows of lamps illuminating its prow. They do that to attract the fish. Yel Dizian followed my gaze, her voice gentle. Then they haul them into their nets. There are all sorts of things in the ocean, Riku Oi. Creatures from the deep, clawing for the surface when the moonlight penetrates their layers. The fishermen know this. What a trick, to fool such magnificent beasts. Chung Mi stood ready, viscous fluids churning through her digestive tract. When I went to her, the decanter was a block of ice in my palm. Madam, I said, please accept Chung Mi's gift. As the drink sputtered from her gullet tube, I almost lost my grip. Maybe I should... Yeldizian reached out and prized the receptacle from my numb fingers. Jung Mi wouldn't meet my eyes. Yeldizian massaged her cheeks in a soft caress, encouraging the last drops to dribble out from between her lips. She gave the concoction an experimental sniff. The taste changes according to Jung Mi's emotional state, she half whispered. Quite a trick. Did Bioshot teach her that? I determined my own actions, Jung Mi replied. She swallowed the tube down. I could hear it slurp into her stomach, even when I am owned by others. Yel Dizian regarded her with cool detachment, swirling the drink in her hand. My proposition, she said, is to become your custodian myself. What do you determine from that? That will require permission from the company, I said quickly, and they don't like to give up their investments so easily. Yel Dizian raised her palm. A light blinked on her flex. She depressed her thumb. Every contract has a buyout clause, if you want to find it, she said, and my lawyers are experts at discovering loopholes. The funds have been deposited. Jung Mi belongs to me now. At least, her body does. Any other part of her, I couldn't say, as yet. She took a sip of the drink and wrinkled her nose. Sour. Where has your sweetness gone, my love? Do you wish to bind me to you? Jung Mi stood as rigid as bone. Her tailcoat flared out behind her. To combine us? That course of action flows in both directions. Oh? Yelled Dizian blinked in surprise. And in which way do you wish to flow, Jung Mi? Towards each other. Jung Mi flexed her abdomen. The liquid dregs shimmered. One element is not a blend. You will have to become like me for the arrangement to work. Already I knew I'd lost her. Now she had found a true collaborator. Yelled Dizian drained half the drink, wincing. Seems I don't have a choice. She held the decanter out. Riku, you can finish the rest. Drink it on your way out. 
She ushered Jung Mi to the window. A patch of glass slid aside. Without a backward glance, the two of them went out to the balcony, yelled Dizian, already murmuring soft words, into her ear. The opening sealed itself again, and I was alone. I bent my nose to the cocktail. Within the reek, I could still sense the essence of Jung Mi, the grasp at a deeper truth within her, a marinating compound of one soul waiting to twine with another. Inside me something hardened, a hollow, impermeable shell slipping away into fathomless places. I poured the mixture into the bathroom sink as I left that place, the green liquid bubbling into the drain until the autosuction drew it from my sight and the lights dimmed to a shadowy glow. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And there you go. Big thank you, Matt. Matt, lovely to have you on the show. Thank you indeed. And TF Ahmed, hey, back again, lad. Back again. Nice to have you back. Very nice indeed. So that is Starship Sova's 674, put to bed. Blasting off, still in the deep space there. Until next time, I'd just like to say good night from me. Thank you for listening. I'm moving slow, so I'm waiting on your call at home.
my signal getting through Turn on your radio I wanna talk to you I wanna talk to you Myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.